Our scripture today continues in 1 Corinthians 3. We're going to be reading verses 10 through 20. And uh, Paul has some powerful words for us this morning when we're looking at ourselves. So the word of God says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a, a wise builder. And someone else was building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive award. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet it will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Did you hear what Paul says there? He's talking to you guys. He said, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If, you, if any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that he, the thoughts of the wise are futile. These are God's word for us this morning. As we continue on with the morning, with, with the words that Mike has prepared for us in, in communion, know that what you are ingesting through your, your ears and your mouth are going into the temple of God. Because you are a temple. Let us pray. God, this morning, reveal to us, change our hearts, transform our hearts, so we know and believe and trust that we are your temples. So that we can know what we do with our body, with our words, everything that emits from our beings is coming from a temple of the Most High God. God, we, we continue to pray that prayer that we sing, that, oh, what a Savior, aren't you wonderful? We sing out, we, we cry out as loud as possible, Alleluia, you are risen. That is the only reason we are saved, that we are a temple, is because you are risen. And this morning, as we prepare to hear the words that you have been preparing through Mike, we pray that he will speak your words. That him himself as a temple would emit the words that are yours. And God, we, we pray that we are ready to receive them. We pray that you come into this place and open our hearts and our ears. In your name we pray. Amen. morning. Glad to be with you at worship this morning. It's my opportunity and privilege to, to share with you the everlasting gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that uh, we do in the ministry of Christ here is uh, bell music. 
So even if the weather is pure and pristine this afternoon, I encourage you and invite you to come back at 4 o'clock to hear the performance of our Bells today. They're going to be fantastic. Uh, You just get a taste of it earlier this morning and here in a few moments, so do come back. Uh, Not rhetorically, do you believe in consequences? Yes, do you believe that you do certain things and other things happen? If you do one thing, something will happen. If you do another thing, another thing will happen. I believe in con- consequences. I-, I believe that there is great reward for a job well done. I want to I want to show you this by looking at the same block in downtown Marion. First, I want to point your attention to 1298 7th Avenue in Marion. Anybody know what that is? That's a that's the church office, the Carnegie building. It was the Carnegie Library for 91 years, and for the last 23 years, it's been part of Marion Methodist ministry. There is a solid foundation of limestone. If you go down into the basement, you can see some of the limestone walls, and they go way below the surface of what you see. The foundation of that thing is truly rock solid. And, and then when they came to build that building, they found the best building materials and used the best building principles that were available at that time. They, they used uh, uh, brick, solid brick, construction brick, and then put fascia on it. The first uh, phase of that building, and on the back phase, it's a steel structure building with construction brick, then fascia brick, and solid poured concrete floors. That thing is not going anywhere. And it was a job well done. Solid foundation, solid materials, solid building procedures. The Apostle Paul, in the words that Kelsey just read, give us an architectural image for our lives and tell us to use solid materials and to build on the solid foundation. If you build your life using the superior principles, you will reap rewards. The solid foundation of Jesus Christ, the only foundation worth building a life on, according to Christ. And the consequences of of building a life on him are a life well done. Even if you have many failures, and you will, we all will. I knew a fellow years ago, his name was Claire, great man, had a small dairy industry in north central Iowa. Built it up to fairly good size, but when bigger dairies came in, He didn't change his principles. And because of that, they were able to choke him to death financially. Now, now Claire lived his life on faith, on honesty, and on fairness. But in human terms, he lost everything. Even He didn't lose his complete house. He had to move from his big house to a smaller house, a little two-bedroom house when when he died. But because his life was built on such deep principles and on a solid foundation of Jesus Christ, when we came to his funeral, there was standing room only, even people standing behind the last row in the balcony. And listen to this, write this stuff. The only time in my entire ministry where the United Methodist women actually ran out of food. They ran out of food at his funeral lunch. They ran out of food because so many people came to give tribute to this man's life, to, to Claire Forrester's life, because of the way he lived his life and the, what he built on. There was great reward for a job well done. On the other side of that, there's great loss for a, a job poorly done. 
just four buildings down the street from 1298 7th Avenue is 1204 7th Avenue. Y'all been there? It's for sale, you know. You might want to quick snap that up. But just like the Carnegie Building, there's this solid foundation. I mean, I, we were down there when they were pouring that. They dug it in back in 2013. They dug that foundation way deep into the ground. So the foundation was every bit as solid as the one that was put in the Carnegie Building, just newer techniques. But then they used cheap building materials. And they didn't have the right building principles. Their, their building principles were inferior. And, and they put up frame walls and then let it sit all winter and blow snow through it. Then they put sheeting on, on one of the decks and, and let it sit for three months while rain just pooled on it, puddled on it. And then when they tried to put the second floor, the whole thing collapsed. Both of them are Marion landmarks. I'll tell you what, if you talk to our city council or our chamber, they wish they only had one of the two, you know. One was built in quite an inferior way. Now, go back to the Apostle Paul, who's using this architectural image upon which we, for, for building our, our lives. If you build your life using inferior principles, you're going to experience great loss. That, that's what's going to happen. That's what happened at 1204 7th Avenue. Like that building down the street fell in upon itself, so will a life built with insufficient principles and poor materials fall on itself. Years ago, I had a student who I, I, I loved very much. Her name was Gina, and she was aspiring to be a world-class athlete, and she probably was. She built her whole focus of her life on being healthy. She, she focused on that. She was singular in that focus. She took classes about it. She, she read books about it. She, she would exercise twice daily, a pretty hard regime of exercise in the morning and then she would run five or 12 miles at night she kept a strict street uh, sleep schedule she she wrote down when she slept and how much she slept she kept a close eating journal and only ate certain foods and then she was having a complete mental spiritual emotional, physical breakdown of her health. She she went from this 110-pound sleek athlete to all of a sudden a 60-pound person that couldn't move because no one helped her put any protein in her diet. And she she hadn't had her cycle for three years. And and sadly, when, when, when the school intervened, it was too late for Gina. She's a sweet girl. And great idea to become a world-class athlete. But the inferior principles and the techniques she used caused her death. Th- this is the biblical message today. It's a sing- single and it's a simple, strong message. According to the maker of life, if you build your life on the strong foundation that is Jesus Christ and build your life with the materials that are the essence of his life, you'll be living life to its fullest. Who wouldn't want to live life to its fullest? I mean, that's one of the one of the things you hear on the internet or on TV. Live your best life now. Live your best life. Who wouldn't want to do that? I want everyone I know to live their best best life. God actually wants you to live your best life. He wants you to pursue your best life. That's exactly what God wants for you. The problem arises 
the difficulty arises for us personally and our relationship with God when, once again, we choose our preference and pr- over His purposes in our living. We, we, we choose our preferences over the purposes of the maker of life and think everything's going to be fine. Living life according to principles that someone else has prescribed to us, and that's God, of course, even though we can see the way that He has made has wonderful testimonies, obvious benefits for us and everyone around us, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in our God-given free will, we feel constricted. We feel held down, so we look for another way. We try to find our own way. And once, by the way, and you see this all around you, you see this in your friendship groups, don't, don't mistake that I'm talking about somebody else and not us. Once we find another way to go, which, by the way, this starts in page 2 of the Bible, you know, creation, blessing, Adam and Eve saying, well, let's go away different than God. Once we find a way different than God's way, we start looking for allies. We start looking for companions on this walk. We seek out those who are, who are choosing the same road to go down to validate our own decisions. What it means is we, we want to do our own thing as long as other people are doing with us. We, we want to be our, about our own business as long as somebody else is coming along with us. Now, so what we build then is what's known in our current climate as an echo chamber. When I was a kid, we used to go out on church retreats to Pictured Rocks Camp out by Monticello. And down by the river at Pictured Rocks, there's a couple of caves. And in one of the caves you can go into, there's a, there's a room about as big as one of our storage rooms here. And one of my friends, Roger, he'd always go in there, and we'd be standing in there, and, and he'd go, Roger is awesome, 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 awesome. He'd listen to it, and he'd say, Roger is awesome, awesome, awesome. There's an echo chamber, and here's the thing. The cave never argued back with Roger. It just echoed what he was saying. I knew Roger. I love Roger. He wasn't awesome. He's okay. He was a pretty good guy, but not awesome. But the cave never argued with him. It was an echo chamber. And, and, and what we do sometimes in our lives is we find our echo chamber. And echo chambers are an opportunity to deceive yourself and others. This is how the Urban Dictionary puts it. An echo chamber is an environment in which a person encounters only beliefs or opinions that coincide with their own so that their existing views are reinforced and alternative views are not even considered. In the culture of Gina's exercise culture, with all the things that were obviously going bad for her, no one suggested an alternate way. No one said, hey, maybe you're working out too much. Hey, maybe you need to eat something different. Hey, maybe you need to see someone for your own emotional and spiritual health. Because all they could see was exercise and fitness and running marathons. There's a comedian named Shane Smith. Any of you heard of him? How about if I tell you? You ever seen the comedian with the giant neck tattoo? All right, some of you know him now. So, Shane, uh, I'm, not, I'm not in the tattoo culture. I'm not. I, that's, that's not my thing. I think tattoos are great um, as long as you don't have to put one on me. Um, I think they're cool. I think whatever your deal is, that's fine with me. But um, and not that you asked. But Shane Smith has this giant neck tattoo. And he's part of the tattoo culture. He's got a lot of other tattoos as well. But as he tells the story, he says, it would have been nice if somebody might have suggested something different. He said, you know, um, 
when you start out as a comedian, you can't make full-time living doing it. So when you walk into Merrill Lynch with a tie and this big neck tattoo, they just assume you're escaped inmate, you know. And he said, maybe somebody should have given me a different way. Maybe they should have altered, you know, said, maybe, Shane, you ought to let that thing gravitate down just a little bit. But nobody tested it against what was out there in the world. They just tested it against their own echo chamber, which is tattoos are awesome. You should have more. And you should get them wherever you want. Now, I know that there's a lot of echo chambers in the world. By the way, um, you might be in one at Marion Methodist. Okay? If this is the only source of information you have, you might be in an echo chamber here, too. Think, think through that. See, the prevalence of echo chambers today are because we don't like getting pushed back about. We don't sometimes want our ideas to be challenged. We don't want our way or the things that we've been done put, put against a greater test. And so the echo chamber that's most prevalent today is this personally imagined spirituality, which is very dangerous. When we create, such as it was, our own religion, this is, this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And, and you've probably heard this, or maybe you've been involved in, in, in some of your friends that say, well, I'm a really spiritual person, I'm a really spiritual person. You need to know what that means. What is a really spiritual person? I mean, a lot of people are spiritual people, which means they have a lot of ideas that something's going on around there, but they have no focal point. See, you go into a Christian church, there's no question about what the focal point is, Right? Heck, in this new place, we even change it colors enough times so you keep looking at it. The focal point is, is Jesus Christ or, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob. But when you have no focal point, the only foundation you have is yourself. And, and so many folks that are spiritual are just creating their own personally imagined spirituality. They're shaping God. And you know who they shape God in? When you're left to your own echo chamber, you shape God to look like you or your friends. God's not so easily shaped like that. And so many times you'll hear someone say, well, I don't need, and then you can insert any of the fun. I don't need God telling me what to do. I don't need to meet with a bunch of hypocrites. That's us. I don't need to read a 2,000-year-old book that doesn't apply to me personally, It doesn't say anything about the Internet. I don't need to be part of something that only cares about my money and so on and so forth. And typically the heads of the echo chamber nod right along with them so there's a large question here that needs to be addressed for us is what you're building on faulty is the foundation upon which you're building your life faulty echo chambers rarely test their beliefs outside their echo chamber because it's dangerous it could destroy them because there might be other facts out there and I'd say to the Christian mind that testing is essential when it comes to the faith because it's outside of here, it's outside of these walls, it's outside of your convenient church body that will come to, whether, to, to know whether or not we've, we've built on a strong enough foundation to stand through the test of life to find out whether we're building on something that will withstand the storms that come to us in life. You know, Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27 is about the wise and foolish men that build houses. You probably know it. You know, wise man build his house upon the rock. Remember that Bible school song? The wise man builds his house upon the rock. The storms come down, and they hit the, hit the house, and it stands. The foolish man builds his house on the sand. Rains come down, the storms come up, and his house gets slaughtered. 
Now, we tend to focus on the building, and that's righteous, but understand this. The thing that's guaranteed in that song and the thing that's guaranteed in the passage is not the building, it's the storm. The storm is what's coming. The storm is why we build on strong foundations because here's what for sure is we need to be building on a strong foundation because the storms of life are certainly coming to you and to me. So, is what you're building on faulty? Question A. The next question is, is what you're building with faulty? You know, because I talked to you about 1204 7th Avenue's foundation's great. What they built with, gone. All of it. A few beams. If anybody wants a steel beam, you can probably buy one cheap right now. But what are you building with? What, what, what are the materials you're building with? Because a lot of the materials that I see people that are imagining their own spirituality are, are picking up some things that are close at hand, and they're pretty faulty. Like, like, for instance, they pick up popular culture. And, you know, popular culture changes all the time. Can you imagine wearing what you wear, are wearing today to church 25 years ago? Well, some of you weren't born, so no. But, but you know... I think I'm about the only dork in here with a tie on, right? 25 years ago, Marian Methodist would have been filled with white shirts and ties. But popular opinion changes. And popular culture changes all the time, not just about church behavior, but about everything. And, and sometimes we say, well, well we, can, we can build our spirituality around traditions. And, and I love some traditions and have some in my own lives, but when you only concern yourself with traditions, be kind of worried about this. What if the first guy was wrong? Right? What if the first guy was wrong? Some of those traditions need to come down, and we know this. And sometimes we say, well, science is where we should build all of our life. Really? Science and intellect? How much money did your company spend on Y2K? The world's going to come to an end. Our pacemakers are all going to stop. Nothing happened. It just passed right by. And others will build their personal spirituality on the way they feel, on emotions. Oh, my goodness sake. Emotions lie to us all the time. I used to watch, and it, you can bear this out because Teresa's here. I used to watch the show Lost. Did you watch the show Lost? Or are you Netflix binging it? Okay, so I like the show Lost. And one of my favorite characters, this is where our emotions ruin us. I want to show you how bad we are emotionally. My favorite character was a guy named Echo. Do you remember what Echo was? He was a priest. And what was his second occupation? He was a drug dealer. Okay? So he's a drug dealing priest. And I told Teresa, I said, if they ever kill the drug dealing priest, I'm done watching the show. They did, and I was. I don't know what happened after Echo's death. I quit watching it. But look at what our emotions do. Who in the world would cheer? I'm a fairly moral guy. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I think that what a priest does is pretty important work. Who would possibly cheer for a drug dealing priest? But emotionally, I tied into Echo. I thought he was awesome. He killed some other bad guys before he got caught up by his own work. But our emotions typically take us in places that aren't so healthy. So, is what we're building on faulty? Is what we're building with faulty? Because temple building is one work of the Christian. There are others, but one work of the Christian is temple building. And for this, only one foundation will do. Only one foundation will do for temple building. And we need to use the appropriate building materials on top of it. Here's the foundation. The Word of God. 
Now, if I was a rapper, that's a mic drop and walk off because there's nothing to say after that. But I'll encourage you. Regarding the word of God, we have to ask ourselves, do I know it? Do, do I, is my Bible wearing out enough? Am I ruining the, the buttons on my phone or the, the screen on my phone, ringing the Bible app too much? Am I, is my Bible pages falling out? Do you know it well enough? Have you drank deeply from it? Do you drink frequently from it? And do you place your actions in front of the narrative that is the Holy Scripture? Our faith must be built on Jesus Christ. And what we build our lives with must be consistent with Him. This is Christianity basic. We build upon the Word of God. And as we build our lives upon the Word of God, I want to consider you two tests of what you build your life with. And then we'll get right to... uh, Another bell, t- bell tune in the, in, in the sacrament. First test is this. Where's your confidence? Where's your confidence? What's your attitude towards suffering? I believe this, that pain and frustration will reveal our faith. In the midst of great pain and the great frustration, our faith will rise to the surface or our lack thereof. Are you concerned w- about how people look at you? Or that they can see Christ through you? Are you more concerned about the way people think about you? Or are you more concerned that they see Jesus through you? Are, are, are you committed to a life of generosity? A, a life of giving your times, your treasure, your talents? Knowing that God will provide whatever you need? Are, are you vulnerable? Are you willing to present yourself as less than perfect? As less than completed? As less than the, the one that knows all the answers? And honestly willing to confess your sins? Are, wh- wh- where's your confidence? Do you judge others? Or do you accept people that are different? from yourself as creatures of sacred worth and infinite value to God. And the second test is simply to look at your calling. What's your calling? Who are you living for? Are are you seeking to make God's name known or are you seeking to make your own name known? What's your purpose in Christ? Are you giving to your family, to your spouse, to your work, or are you only taking from your spouse? and your family, and your work? Are you willing to stand in the gap for other people that need help? Are you willing to be spent on behalf of Christ for other people, some of which you don't really even know, or might not even have the same value structure of yours? Are you living for Christ or just pleasure? God gives us pleasure, but we just can't live for one. If your answers mesh with the Word of God, then the life of Christ will test your building materials as worthy. If you found yourself on the Word of God and build your life on the life of Christ, those building materials are worthy. The body of believers is the temple of God, and we're to build it up. This is part of our role. Our our life must be built on on things that build up this church, which is Marian Methodist, and the larger church, which is Christianity, in all the world. We need to be in earnest prayer about it. And one of the ways that we launch ourselves towards that is nourishment in the sacraments. You know, in a minute, we're going to invite you to Holy Communion. And Holy Communion is one of those things that all Christians in the world can agree upon as useful for building up 
the body of Christ. doesn't even regard, matter what your tradition is. We all somehow spend time at the table. Now I'm going to ask the bells to come forward and share a, uh, a song with us, a blessing to you, which should prepare you spiritually for communion. So bells, would you come forward? <laughs>